we have a corporate advisory council at FFP, and it's made up of corporate leaders uh, in in the financial advice sector. So there's, in addition to Eric Clark, uh, Orion CEO, who's been a fantastic member, we also have folks like David Cantor at Fidelity. Uh, Bernie Clark at Schwab, Ben Harrison at Pershing. Um, and, and really what these folks do is come together. Uh, you know, they compete in the marketplace, but when it comes to our mission, they join hands um, and they really try to promote pro bono service. Welcome to The Fuse Show, a podcast brought to you by Orion Advisor Solutions with your hosts, George Vigera and me, Ryan Donovan. Today's guest is John Dauphiné. CEO of the Foundation for Financial Planning. The FFP cultivates programs that link volunteer financial planners to people in need, providing them with free quality advice to help improve their financial lives. It's a mission that has taken on new importance in 2020 in the face of a historic economic inequality and hardship. All of us at Orion agree that this is not a time for our industry to sit on the sidelines. We can't encourage our listeners enough to consider volunteering pro bono planning services or any other charitable efforts. This is an issue that isn't going to go away after the holiday charity season, and you'd be surprised to see what even a few hours per month of your time will mean to the people who truly need your help. This will be a good one. Before we bring on John, it's time for a little segment we like to call Love It or Shove It. All right, Donnie, yep, another episode here, uh, another segment of Love It or Shove It. We got uh, a few items today to get through before we start speaking with John um, <clears throat> and some Orion news. But uh, top one here on uh, LRS, industry disruptor John Stein calls it quit. The Betterment CEO is stepping down, appoints an industry outsider, Sarah Kirschbaum-Levy, as CEO, who uh, she was formerly COO at Viacom, and she's charged with setting the course for an eventual IPO. What are your thoughts on, on this little nugget? I love it because Betterment is entertaining, but it's certainly far from profitable. So I don't know where its story is going to play out, but I think it is appropriate that someone from the media empire goes and runs what is this show of Betterment is producing. Yeah. I was going to say, like, I don't really know if I agree with industry disruptor as a description. I don't know how much it's disrupted of how other people in the industry work, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what what happens. I think it disrupted a lot of advisors who tried to use Betterment Institutional and didn't work out. <laughs> other than that, I, I don't know that it's creating a, uh, it's proving a business model uh, for the mm -hmm. industry. But there's certainly opportunities with some of the cons consolidation that's come in the industry. Let me see. It'd be interesting to see how they step into that. Yeah. Um, well, I guess we'll wait and see. Uh, the next one, speaking of consolidation. Yeah, the consolidation continues. LPL acquired Waddell and Reed and expects little to no repapering. And it claims that it will retain over 70% of Waddell and Reed's 921 advisors. This immediately follows the independent broker-dealer previously announcement uh, to buy the wealth unit from Macquarie for $300 million. So kind of back-to-back M&A here. Uh, they now have over 17,000 advisors, and I think it's no secret to anyone. Uh, they are the largest independent broker-dealer in the industry and keep getting bigger. George, your thoughts? Love it or shove it? I think LPL just in general is a company to watch. They're doing some pretty interesting things kind of across the board. So uh, it'll be interesting. Well, Waddell and Reed, you know, funny story. When I graduated college, like Waddell and Reed had like a standing open uh, wreck out on like the Indeeds and wherever we went to go look for job postings then to be like a financial advisor. And 
um, I, I made an inquiry and they called me over like, Hey, we can get you started immediately. And I was like, I don't think I'm in any way qualified to be a financial advisor at all. Like within, so <laughs> I don't know how, like, I don't know how good some of these advisors are going to be. I don't know if they want to retain, um, that many, but, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I guess I, I don't know. I don't know whether I love it or shove it. It's, it's, I'm indifferent. I'm, I'm the or. Yeah, I, I I think LPL getting bigger. Uh, it's 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 not really something to love or shove. Um, and if if LPL is a great fit for you, then that's that's great. Maybe they'll have additional resources. Um, I think that uh, this is uh, something to watch, though. It's certainly going to be interesting to see how the other smaller independent broker dealers uh, shake out with the increasing costs of compliance and uh, the increased scale of LPL and the enhancements they've made to their technology platform. Mm-hmm. Sure, it opens up. Probably opens up some uh, opportunities for other broker dealers and these advisors. This might be this might have been the event that they needed to maybe go RIA or to to join other um, broker dealers. So the first thing I thought when I saw this was the flash crash. Remember Waddell and Reed taking down the market ten years ago, and I was like, oh, they still exist. Uh, but anyway, they do. Uh, at least they did. So we'll see. So the big one here, and credit to our producer Jimmy with coming up with this one. Orange runs out of juice. We, um, <laughs> I don't that even know. Like, I don't, I don't even is, think I need to read this description. Um, that says it all. That says it all. Uh, probably the 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 more surprising thing is how quickly they ran out of juice. I mean, they gave their clients or their yeah their 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 advisor clients six weeks or so to to solve this problem and reach out to other solutions. This doesn't surprise me. I mean. Um, you know, with all due respect to all of the other technologies that are out there, but speaking candidly, whenever we were at conferences and Orange would present, I think the first question on everybody's mind was, what do you do? What exactly is it that you do? Yeah, I think that was the first couple of years. I remember seeing them in the Veo Village and it was a question of like, are they a portfolio management system? Do they do account aggregation? And I think that may have been the reason why it just didn't quite work out. The acquisition of uh, Trade Warrior, the introduction of a model marketplace when everybody has a model marketplace, and the, the thinking that they could offer this for free and somehow get compensated other ways. Um, I think it's a business model that didn't work out, uh, giving technology for free. But the one thing I'd say, I commented on this on uh, a story that I saw. I don't think that people used Orange to run their businesses. I think they used Orange and other applications to run their business. And so the impact of shutting down Orange might not be as severe as people had assumed. I don't think there's um, you know, 500 RAs out there that are like, oh my God, I got to find a new system to run my middle and back office and client experience. I think they're like, hey, I got to replace this account aggregation tool or I was using this client feature that I can replace with any one of many vendors. Unfortunately, I have to pay for it. But uh, anyway, uh, I'd, I'd shove it. I think it, I think it's still uh, pretty messed up to give uh, advisors during these times such a short window to get off of the platform. Yeah. They should have got a little more foresight into um, what their financial future and strategic vision was going to be. Yep, I agree with you. I don't think uh, I don't think really much disruption came from that. I will use this opportunity to say and go on record here, and Jimmy may have to cut this. Kelly may get upset. Eric may fire me. There is a company that I will not name, one of the top competitors that I feel is the WeWork of our industry. 
And I think it's only a matter of time before that comes out. Oh, I know what you're saying. Yeah, well, it gives us more stuff to talk about on the podcast. But I am going to take credit for it when it happens. Um, can you say what the name of the company rhymes with? No, I can't actually find something that no, rhymes. When you do that, it removes all liability from you. Does it? Are you a lawyer? No, <laughs> uh, what's new with Orion, Ryan? Well, there's there's a lot going on, but I guess uh, the one thing that I want to talk about uh, since the last episode that we did with Heather Fortner of Signature FD, who was fantastic, by the way, um, we have some interesting news. Uh, Orion has hired uh, Rob Percival, a 17-year veteran at a census, to join Orion Advisor Solutions as our SVP of Strategic Relationships. Rob brings uh, the deep relationships and connections needed to thrive in the industry. It might come as a surprise to some, but Orion has served state programs since 2014. Just a couple things to note here. Uh, I think this is something, George, you and I run into trying to keep everyone aware of the breadth of the Orion solutions offering. Yeah. Um, but a few things to note, Orion's 529 clients, uh, they are among our best kept secret and, and we're really ready to disrupt the 529 industry. We see our technology, investment management, pedigree, and marketing tools and know-how as a potential game changer here. The 529 industry is heavily relationship-based and Rob brings a lot of experience and connections to Orion as we push further into this space. Yeah. Welcome to the team, Rob. Maybe we'll have him on as a, a guest in the future. I think we should. You know, that's... Uh... He's not shy. Okay, so let's bring on the episode's guest. John, welcome to the show. Well, John, thank you for coming on the show. We really appreciate you taking the time to speak with Ryan and I and um, with our listeners. First and foremost, this is a little bit different than some of the other topics we've covered and some of the other guests we've had, um, and we're, we're really kind of excited to learn more. Uh, first and foremost, do you mind just telling us a little bit more about the Foundation for Financial Planning, what it's about, what it's looking to accomplish Yes, yeah, sure. Um, and it's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. The Foundation for Financial Planning does five major things. Uh, one is we make grants uh, to great nonprofits across the country to support their pro bono financial planning programs. The second thing is we try to activate certified financial planners to be volunteers uh, and to help these underserved groups. The third thing is we develop program models with our partners. So we have some really interesting models that specifically help uh, at-risk groups like people with cancer, uh, nurses who are financially struggling during COVID, uh, and others. Um, and, th and that's an important piece of what we do. Uh, fourth is resources and free training for financial advisors to really learn how to do this type of work. And then finally, just growing awareness. And that's why it's great to be here today, just to talk about the mission, talk about the work that we do. Um, it's pretty alarming, uh, Ryan and George, when you look at the data. Uh, you know, the Federal Reserve found in a pretty famous study in 2019 that 40% of Americans couldn't even scrounge up $400 for an emergency expense like a car repair. Um, so a lot of people are living on the financial edge. Uh, and these are not folks in the affluent group that would typically have access to a good, objective financial advisor. So we're all about, uh, you know, bringing help, uh, bringing advice, bringing planning. Uh, to these groups that really don't have good access um, and, and can't afford uh, this type of service. And during COVID, it's more important than ever. Um, if you look at the data that's emerged recently, almost 60% of Americans are reporting that COVID's had a negative impact on their finances. And of that group, 
more than two thirds say they're concerned about just paying their basic bills. So when you think about what's going on out there, the need's never been greater for pro bono financial planning and advice. And we're all about unleashing the profession and the industry to help. That's fantastic. I guess, so you created the Corporate Advisory Council, of which Ryan's a part. Can you tell us a little bit about the recent joint statement of the Corporate Advisory Council has issued on pro bono work? Yeah, happy to. So um, we have a corporate advisory council at FFP, and it's made up of corporate leaders uh, in in the financial advice sector. So there's, in addition to Eric Clark, uh, Orion's CEO, who's been a fantastic member, we also have folks like David Cantor at Fidelity. Uh, Bernie Clark at Schwab, Ben Harrison at Pershing. Um, and, and really what these folks do is come together. Uh, you know, they compete in the marketplace, but when it comes to our mission, they join hands um, and they really try to promote pro bono service within the profession. And the joint statement that they recently came out with is so important because it calls on the Certified Financial Planner Board of Standards to make a recommendation to certificates to provide about 25 hours of pro bono service each year. Uh, And this is strictly voluntary. It would not mandate anything, Um, but it really would be an important cue from the CFP board to the profession that doing some level of pro bono could be seen as part of a professional commitment that the profession has, similar to what we see in law and medicine uh, and some other professions. Um, And so we think this is a really meaningful step forward. And we're really pleased because the CFP board has said that they will definitely consider this as they look at their strategies moving forward. The other thing that the joint statement was really notable for is all of these corporate leaders committed to examining their company's own policies, practices, and partnerships to really make sure that they're doing what they can uh, to promote and enhance pro bono efforts. So we expect to be working with them all through 2021 uh, to help them do that uh, and to really, uh, if they if they want to embrace some changes, to really help them uh, identify what needs to change and how they can do it. I will say too uh, that it's important in a profession when the the certification authority, um, you know, puts a stake in the ground and, and creates a benchmark. And in the law, you've seen that because the American Bar Association some years ago came out and said, Uh, we think every attorney should do about 50 hours of pro bono a year. And again, it's voluntary, but it was a very important uh, signal to lawyers that this is something that's expected as part of their professional, uh, you know, identity, really. Um, And then a lot of the big law firms started tuning in and taking steps to foster a pro bono culture at the law firms. And that's when we really saw pro bono explode in the law. So we think this joint statement's really meaningful because um, it's, these, it's these corporate leaders in financial advice um, that, are now, uh, that are now speaking out. John, I spent a few minutes on your website just going uh, exploring. And one thing that, I mean, this has to be extremely fulfilling work for these advisors, like reading some of the stories of how the, some of these families have been helped is, 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 is pretty incredible actually. And I, I would imagine that some of the advisors get more out of it than some of these clients do. But you, know, one thing that kind of struck me too, is you're, it, a lot of it 
I mean, I guess you're having an impact for generations with these clients, right? Um, where you're building good financial habits, or maybe they are going through something unexpected, and you know they their children can see the the work that's being done. Can you share? Do you have any stories that you can share of how this has impacted you know so, some of the folks that have been able to um, to take advantage of this? And then how do people find this? Like not so much how do advisors get involved, but how do people find the advisors to help them? Yeah, great question. So the stories, and I do encourage folks to check out our website, and that's ffpprobono.org. Um, there's many impact stories there, both from the perspective of uh, pro bono clients and their advisors. And, you know, there's so many stories. Um, many different clients, uh, you know, come from groups that are vulnerable. Uh, we have stories from domestic violence survivors that have been helped by um, their planner to uh, financially separate from their abuser. So um, things like that. We also have people with serious illness um, that have worked with the planner uh, to stabilize their finances and have a trusted guide uh, during a, a crisis period. Um, and, and that's something that we're, uh, we're very committed to helping people with cancer and, and others with serious illness. Um, the approach we take uh, is, is working with partners. Um, so, so if you're an advisor and you would like to uh, volunteer, we encourage you to go to uh, a new website that we, that we have. It's called probonoplannermatch.org. And there, if you're a CFP professional, you can register and you can browse opportunities to give back to the community. And we work with our nonprofit grantees and partners to populate opportunities there. And then we, we want to be the national hub uh, for folks that are looking for ways to give back. You can see on probonoplannermatch.org a range of different volunteerism opportunities, uh, different time commitments, um, some virtual, some in community. Um, of course, now with COVID, uh, we're emphasizing virtual, um, but we expect to be adding more and more opportunities uh, as time goes by and as the nation uh, tries to recover from COVID. Uh, so I do encourage folks to look at that. We, we think having a nonprofit partner intermediary is very helpful because they do the intake. They make sure these clients mm. are truly underserved. And often they also assist the planner um, with, with some of the things like, like accessing public benefits, um, accessing perhaps uh, legal pro bono assistance. Um, so they can also be really, really useful resources for the pro bono volunteer uh, as they conduct their work to help the client. I would imagine as advisors do this, they, 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 I think it's, it's one thing to like donate or to, to uh, go to a, a fundraising event. It's kind of another thing to use something that you're good at to help other people. Yeah. Once advisors start, I'm guessing they're hooked. Yeah. It's funny. I've had advisors say to me, uh, you know, this feeds my soul right? Mm -hmm. This kind of work. And, and, and many advisors have said, this reminds me of why I got into this business in the first place, which is truly to help people. And what's amazing is so many of the pro bono clients have no background in personal finance. And so they've never even looked holistically at their financial picture, um, and they they're, they're just not aware of even some basic steps they could take uh, towards a brighter financial future. Um, and and really often, uh, you know, sometimes we get initial nervousness from uh, the volunteer financial advisors because they're used to helping out high net worth folks in their paid practice. But what they discover 
we recommend they take a brief training that we offer for free on our website. Um, but then after that, what these advisors typically discover is it's very easy uh, to help uh, these families, that they have the skills, they have the knowledge, and um, they're able to go in and really make a difference in these people's lives. Uh, and I would say absolutely people get hooked. We have so many volunteers that have been doing this work, uh, some for decades, and uh, and we really hear that um, it's an incredibly satisfying part of their professional life. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. I think a lot of uh, advisors are really focused on uh, you know working with the millionaires next door. And I guess uh, to the extent you can touch on it, we are a technology company. Um, we offer the financial planning technology. How how has technology been able to be used in these pro bono engagements that your volunteers, uh, planners uh, participate in? Yeah, it's a great question. So I would say we're on a journey um, just as we've seen um, in kind of the, the paid practice world. We are on a journey to embrace more and more tech solutions uh, as we go along. And unlike in the paid world, for pro bono, there's been a lag. You know, a lot of our program partners are community-based organizations, and they don't have incredibly robust uh, technological tools. Um, but I would say, you know, this is changing. And at, we at FFP are really committed to working with our corporate partners like Orion uh, to develop more and more, um, you know, uh, pieces of technology uh, that we can apply to these engagements. And I think in a COVID world, you know, we're seeing an accelerated interest uh, on the part of our partners in adopting more technology uh, that can foster virtual engagements, as an example, in this world of social distancing. Uh, so that's the journey we're on. Uh, pro bono planner match.org is, is a really good start because uh, it enables financial planners to search for volunteer opportunities right from the comfort of their desk. But, uh, but as we move along, we'll be doing more and more in this area. Uh, and we're really excited to work with Orion and others on, on these projects. That's fantastic. I can say this, um, Ryan and I do some charity work ourselves. And I think that's a really good description, John, if it feeds your soul, like, uh, I just know that you know if you're when you're when you do something for a living and then you're able to do something like this that like tr like genuinely helps people it just it kind of re-energizes you to do the the rest of your job right yeah it's I mean it's so true you know I'm a lawyer by training and I I got kind of got bitten by the pro bono bug in law school I was representing uh, I was representing people in um, a housing law clinic and these tenants often were you know about to be evicted into the frigid Boston winter uh, but many of them were living in terrible you know conditions and uh, they actually had a defense against eviction because their houses were not up to code and so we fought to keep them in their homes and um, and I really got interested in pro bono then and then when I was looking to join a law firm right out of law school I looked for a firm that had a commitment, you know, that had a partner that was assigned to pro bono and that allowed the young associates to apply some of their billable hour requirement, you know, to pro bono. Yeah. Uh, and I think what we'll see more and more in financial advice is the leading firms starting to, um, 
institutionalize, you know, a pro bono commitment more so than they perhaps have in the past. Uh, and I think that's incredibly positive for the workforce, for the culture, uh, and ultimately for recruitment, engagement, and retention of advisors. Because I think, uh, as you point out, you know, it means something when you can give of your skills uh, in a way uh, that that is that is really meaningful because you're giving it to folks who otherwise would absolutely not have access. Yeah, I think that's a great point. George and I have talked with other guests about the institutionalization that's going on in our industry. And you see national RAs emerging and needing to create or define what their corporate culture identity is going to be for the purposes of, you know, uh, being that uh, better workplace than than the other uh, advisory firm that uh, a, a younger advisor or uh, an advisor with a book of business that we're going to transfer can be. I think this is this is fan, a fantastic way for them to really help improve their corporate identity with a pro bono requirement or pro bono allocation. It's so easy. It's like turnkey, right? Reach yeah. out to John and and start doing it. You don't have to come up with programs internally and, and all of that. So that that's great. I know right now you guys are taking donations. I was looking at your website that Schwab is currently matching each donations. Where 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 can people go or to to donate if they wanted to donate some some funds to this, Sean? And then what what kind of what is what do those donation dollars go to? Yeah, so we have a COVID-19 financial resilience fund that is powering all of this work across the board. Uh, and of course, as you can imagine, as a nonprofit charity, we rely on the generosity of people in the industry, uh, of, of leading corporations, but also many financial advisors uh, and, and colleagues as well uh, to fund our mission. Um, as, as you point out, there is a dollar for dollar match, uh, generously sponsored by the Charles Schwab Foundation. So uh, really, you can double your gift very easily right now. Um, and uh, Schwab has committed this match up to $500,000, which is terrific. Uh, we anticipate this match will be running, uh, you know, throughout the next month or so. Uh, and it's really easy to donate. You can do it right on our website, ffpprobono.org. Um, just go to the donate page. And uh, we really, you know, need the support. Um, as you might imagine, in the COVID pandemic, uh, you know, there's many competing uh, charities uh, that 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 have merit and that are doing great work, but we really believe that uh, in the financial advice space, uh, you know that this is such uh, meaningful work uh, to try to help bring assistance to families that have been impacted by the pandemic. And um, so, I would encourage folks to really uh, uh, check us out. You know, look at the website. We are um, a four-star charity uh, by Charity Navigator. That's the top ranking. Mm -hmm. And also GuideStar, we have a platinum rating. That's the top ranking there. We are very, uh, you know, careful with our donors' dollars. And um, we we make sure that uh, a very large percentage, uh, more uh, each year more than 75% goes to our grants and our programs specifically. Uh, so you can be confident that, um, you know, we're spending uh, your resources very wisely uh, as we uh, try to engender this pro bono movement across the profession. 
That's awesome. That's great. Um, John, can't thank you enough. This is such a, this is such a great cause. Um, I admittedly didn't know much about this uh, before the, this podcast. And after researching your story and, and your website and some of the impact this has had, I think, you know, I'd encourage all advisors to do this. You're not, it, it, this isn't a one-time thing. You're potentially changing people's lives and, and their children's lives. So uh, certainly go out to the website and, and contact uh, the team over there if you guys, if, if anyone's interested. Thank you, John. Thanks so much for having me. Take care. Thanks for listening to The Fuse Show. In each episode, your co-host, George Figuera, and me, Ryan Donovan, will share our take on top fintech news. We'll welcome industry leaders and colleagues to share their perspectives and keep you up to date on all that's happening at Orion that will help advisors and their ability to prospect, plan, invest, and achieve. Feel free to share your thoughts on the show with us and send us questions to cover in future episodes. Email us at the fuse show at orion.com that's the fuse show at orion.com thanks for so much for listening and we look forward to bringing you episode 18 soon